Hey, welcome everyone to another in our series, in our podcast, We Can Be Better. We're honored today to have Susan Childs, who I've known for a number of years, has become a, a good friend and an associate. <clears throat> She's uh, uh, not only a consultant, an educator, a webinar presenter, uh, a volunteer for different organizations, but also a recent author of, uh, of a series of books uh, that, are, that are coming forward. Uh, and <clears throat> the reason I wanted to talk with Susan today is I think she's got some really interesting insights and some great stories to share with us. Uh, so uh, <clears throat> before we go any further, Susan, can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Hello, Owen. Thank you for having me. Um, yes, we've known each other quite a while, haven't we? It's been very good. Um, I started out in public accounting and then ended up in healthcare and administration and decided to go out on my own and I had my own business for about 18 years and I became very interested in emotional intelligence a long time ago but it seems to fit with everything we need with medical practice management just a lot of common sense and instincts so I work a lot with communications collections revenue cycle new changes to workshops you know retreats everything because practices need everything I think just like you do right Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And so I'm also a presenter, and I've recently authored these books, and I've had them in my brain for a while and finally put them to paper, and it's a series of three because it was too much to be one. And the first book is on emotional intelligence and uh, administrators and how we handle staff and how we take care of ourselves as well. And the second one's on the patient experience, and the third one is on the physician-administrator collaboration, all with emotional intelligence in the forefront. Wow, that's uh, an aggressive uh, and exciting uh, process that you've been through, and I'm, I'm looking forward to reading them. Uh, uh, Susan, thank you for taking the time to, to share that knowledge and to, and to put that kind of stuff together in a, in a uh, good readable format. I'm sure it will, will be exciting for everybody. Now, you mentioned the words or the phrase emotional intelligence. Uh, and, and I guess that's kind of the cornerstone of what you're focusing on, but maybe you could uh, help define what do you mean by emotional intelligence? Yeah, and, and, and it's a beautiful thing because we all have it, and we can also grow it. We can also improve it. But when I first heard about it, I was thinking, this is just your instincts kicking in. You know, we become so desensitized and so, you know, climate controlled. You know, some people don't open their windows in their cars or their homes ever. You know, they keep them closed. We don't breathe enough fresh air. Things like that. And we have instincts. We are animals. And emotional intelligence is really tapping into that and that awareness and being being very cognizant of what you are doing and how you're coming off on others. So there are two uh, competencies, and those are personal competence and social. And then it goes down from there into different cores. Um, of descriptions, but really the personal is being aware of yourself, how you're co- coming off on others, those cues that set you off, and it could be some, something someone says, it could be a specific person, um, it could be a lot of different things, but what sets you off and what's what brings you in a positive and moving forward direction, that's what you want with emotional intelligence, to be aware of that. And then the social um, competence is that as well, it's just that, is being aware of your relationships and the relationships of others and how other people interact. And medical managers, for example, we're dealing with disgruntled patients or an angry staff member or a physician that feels backed up. Um, 
and why aren't they getting them to the back fast enough? So we're dealing with this all the time. And a lot of times administrators just need to know that they're doing the right thing and trusting their instincts. And that's what this does, it taps into it. Amazing, amazing. So one of the things then that, that you just shared was the idea of that personal sort of thing. Uh, what, do you, what do you think is going on with the employees in particular, uh, maybe the patients as well, with, with regard to this COVID pandemic situation, uh, part A, part B, uh, the whole election process, and, and the third part is, uh, you know, the, the, the situation with the holidays and everything else. It's like there's all kinds of stuff that emotionally are impacting a lot of people right now. So what, what, what does that mean and how would you approach that in terms of giving advice to folks? That's, that's, that's an interesting point because when we talked about Lean Six Sigma and trying to look at practice efficiencies and so on, one of the things that we find that we define as waste is the fact that we don't, we don't listen to our employees. 
Uh, we don't tune into what skill sets they have, what knowledge they have, what ability they have to bring suggestions and solutions to the forefront. And I, and I guess what you're saying is that emotional intelligence says, hey, there's, there's a lot of strength in these people. And those that are really willing to do things can engage their brains and, and help everything move forward. Oh, you better believe it. You walk up to the front desk and say, What's our, what's our, what are our four highest insurances? They don't need to run a report. They know because they're looking at the insurance cards. They know everything the front desk. And a lot of these people, a lot of managers too, have started out at the front desk. They want to work their way up. If you listen to people, and that's your emotional intelligence at staff meetings, they can be productive. And if you listen to people and listen for that person that asks a few more questions or is interested a little bit more or lingers to find something else out, those are your people that are reaching out for something to do and they're just waiting for the opportunity. And take advantage of that. You know, another thing is I've hired people out of breakfast buffets, out of donut shops um, that have initiative because you can teach a task to anyone. You cannot change demeanor. And someone either wants to work or they don't. And, you know, putting your effort into and getting rid of waste, if somebody's going to go nowhere fast, I don't need that. I need someone who's going to help me, who's going to be in tune with everyone, who's going to respect the patient and respect the staff and the doctors too. And that's what makes the teamwork. So, so that, that brings the teamwork together. That brings an exciting chemistry, if you will, the culture of uh, yeah. communication and, and then that sort of thing. But uh, what do you do in a situation where you've got an employee who just doesn't bring it to the table? Uh, you know, and, and you're the manager and you're dealing with this situation and you're dealing with the COVID scenario uh, and, and, and then you've got somebody who just doesn't do that. Do you, how do you, how do you, can you, can you tune into their emotional intelligence or is that time when you have to say, sever the relationship and move on? I think everyone should be given a chance to be understood thoroughly and superior communication is when you are completely understood, you are heard and completely understood. And I, I learned a phrase from my friend Margaret and she, will, she would ask a staff member, help me understand. And it's the most non-judgmental and accepting phrase you could possibly say because it immediately accepts your answer without judgment. Help me understand why it's hard to balance the front desk every day. Help me understand why it's hard for you to do the nurse callbacks at the end of every day. Because then you delve into their workday and they tell you what the problem is. Another way is to ask them, essentially the same thing three times. And you do this at interviews too, by the way. And if you ask them something once, they'll tell you what you want to hear. If you ask them the second time, they'll give you a little deeper answer. And if you ask them a little bit differently the third time, they just tell you the way it is because they feel strongly about it. And again, that's emotional intelligence. Your emotion is at the front of your brain. So everything hits your emotional part of your brain as it goes through to the cognitive part. And that's why your parents told you to count to 10, because it takes between five and 10 seconds to get to the back of your brain. And the stronger the emotion, the longer and harder it sticks. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Because cool. again, yeah, very cool. back, back to, the, to the Lean Six Sigma world, we, we have this approach called the five whys. And it sort of drills into the same perspective you're talking about, yeah. where you say, why are you doing it? Why are you doing it this way? And so on and so on. Uh, you, you, you begin to get the knowledge base then from that employee 
that comes to the forefront. Um, and, and so you're tying that into emotional intelligence. I love that. I think that's great. Yeah, well, it's just being, I was in an office once where I walked in the door and they said to me, this person is horrible. You need to let her go. You need to tell us that she needs to go. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, have you talked to her? Well, we haven't. We're waiting for you to come. And I said, well, you know, we'll talk about that later. Um, but when I walked in and interviewed her, she was truly not equipped to do her job because the first thing she said to me was, I am not equipped to do my job. They have given me no training and they expect me to do all this. I cannot do it. And I went back to them and I said, you either train her for this job or put her in something she's trained for. How can you expect someone to do this? So if you want someone to do it, give them the tools to do it and watch them fly. Mm -hmm. I had, um, I worked with Kay Stanley, and she was wonderful with a lot of media stuff. And when she first met me, she said, my job is to make it so you can do your job better. And I felt like I could take over anything. She, she gave me everything I needed. So when you take that emotional intelligence with knowing in that social confidence that if you're at the billing department and you know the front desk is going to ask for everything they should before they call you, that's confidence and you're more willing to help. And if you're at the front desk and you're needing to ask for money and you know if you can't get it, you can call the billing department or the manager, that's great. If you know you can call the manager if there's trouble with the physician or maybe you can even just speak with the physician and they'll respect you, I mean, the culture improves. There's a lot of people who test for emotional intelligence. Their sales go up. There's 67% decrease in um, people leaving. It's, it's, it's a wonderful thing and it's truly just being courteous of who's next to you, understanding what they're doing, and doing your job. That's really what it is. So, but let me let me drill into that just a bit more because one of the words you used early on was instinct. So are you saying that really the instinct that we have relates to our emotional intelligence and that's really what we would use as managers to identify the skill sets, those that are the stars, if you will? Uh, I think it's, yeah, yes, I, I think it's, um, thank you. Um, I think it's part of, I think it's part of it. When I used to interview, before I, before I knew anything about emotional intelligence, on my interview sheets, I had comfort level, one to five. And my, one of my bosses once told me, and it's really true, who do you see sitting in that seat when you're interviewing? And if you let yourself feel that and, and really feel that, you can, you can really tell some of the good people. There was a manager I hired for a gastro practice. I saw her in the lobby, and I knew she was the one. Now, I don't know how I knew. You know, when I was a waitress, I could, and this is in the book too, I, when somebody walked in the door, I could tell who was a good tipper. I have no idea why. You just become in tune with your surroundings, in tune with the feeling of people. You can feel people's anger. You can tell, you know, the emotional intelligence really kicks in and it's hardest when somebody is trying to conceal. But look at the way they're sitting. It's a mixture of everything. It's the body language. It's the body mirroring. It's how they're standing. It's how they're approaching you. If they're avoiding emailing you or answering you back. All these little things add up to a lot. And sometimes we don't pay attention to the little movements. And that all adds up to and a part of the emotional intelligence. So you can't help really see. How, how do we how do we set the framework for you know to make to make this happen? Because uh, 
you know, certain scenarios, and I know we've all seen these situations where Dr. A is difficult to deal with, Dr. B is very different than Dr. A, and so on, and you, you end up with a, a culture of contrast, you end up with a culture that, that has some tension to it, if you will. Uh, how, do, how do you deal with that uh, in, in terms of trying to get that employee to uh, be responsive to that patient, to that fellow employees, uh, and, and to that environment that they're in? There, there are always going to be barriers because everyone is different. Everyone has a different heart. Everyone has a different approach. Everyone hears things differently. Just when you train people, some people can just watch you and they can do it. I have to actually do it to remember it. You know, it's just different approaches to different things. But I would say that approaching one-on-one -on -one and shadowing them, if you spend time with each person, if you spend 45 minutes and, and sit with a front desk person, sit with a nurse and watch them, and a lot of times you'll have to walk with them. You can't sit and watch them. You're walking with them. But observe them. How do they react to 30 million phone calls at once? How do they react? How do they react to a doctor screaming at them, nurse, nurse, from down the hallway, something like that? See how they react. See how others react to them. You don't talk. You observe. It's like an interview. If you really want to know how they are, you're talking, or you know, 20%. They're doing 80%. So you can see how a front desk responds to a line of people. Are they freaking out, or are they handling it easily? And that way, you can hone in on. Well, you're handling this part just fine. You're making great eye contact. You're saying, I'll be with you in just a moment. And then when you get to the screen, you freeze. So what are you uncomfortable with? Let's go through that again. And you could do some role playing, but handling it one-on-one. -on -one, and really, you're there to do a job. You can go with everyone's personality, but if they're not carrying their weight, it's that simple. They're not carrying their weight. And I've actually helped someone find another job that couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. Maybe they can be in another position. Um, there was a person I trained, and she turned out to not to be good for what I thought she would be. We put her in a different department, and she was great. So look at their gifts. If someone's really quiet, you're not going to ask them to ask for money. But maybe they're great in medical records, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. But everyone has a gift. You have to find it if you're able to do it. Well, you know, this kind of brings to mind another concept that I really like, and, and that is uh, as a manager, we do a lot of coaching. But as, as individual employees, there are mentorship roles. And, and I wonder if, if the strengths that some of your folks that you've talked about and seen uh, serve more in, in the role of a mentor uh, to help bring out those skills, to help uh, have that new employee or that individual that you've transferred from one department to another adjust to uh, their surroundings and to adapt to the culture of, of that environment. Uh, does that mentorship role kind of make sense then, or is that something that may they, not... Call, they call managers parents of the practice for a reason. Mm -hmm. and, um, and yes, when I was a manager, I very much did that, and, and all managers should. You don't want people just to do their job. You want them to be better. You want everything to go stronger. Um, you're just building a stronger foundation. I remember when I was hiring a whole new team, and I, and I said to someone, you know, I'm hiring a team, and I would love for you to be a part of this. And I was just being honest, but it gave them strength. It made them feel proud. But, you know, it's you build a good foundation, and if people feel it, they feel it. You know, healthcare is the most rewarding thing to be in. We help people. We heal people. 
and we feel that reward. It's not like we're producing a stapler, you know, or something like that that helps people, but it's not as rewarding. Mm-hmm. So when you're mentoring and you're working with someone and you see them, um, like I used to give out gold stars to a staff member if they were handling, a, you know, that was a really difficult patient. You did really good, and I give them a gold star. And, you know, mentoring is leading. Mentoring is taking an interest. And the mentoring may occur more one-on-one, but you should be somewhat of a mentor to every one of your employees, I would think. Wonderful. Well, we got to about wrap this up in terms of time. Is there one, let me, let me ask two questions. First question is, is there one bit of wisdom, uh, one bit of comment that you would leave with our listeners that, uh, that could take, take away from this emotional intelligence discussion? I will tell you what my mother told me from when I was, ever since I can remember. And I remember being like eight years old and making a decision and thinking of this. You are the only one that's going to live with yourself the rest of your lives. So do what you think is good. Do what you think will help you sleep well at night because in the end, that's what really counts. And I think if we all do that, we all just try to be kind to each other and respectful and treat each other nicely. I think that's the best place to start being aware of where everyone's coming from. I think that's the most important thing. And that's the emotional intelligence. Live within yourself. Yes. Accept your future from within. And go where they are. Understand other people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, Susan, how, how can people get in touch with you? Um, my website is um, evohcc.com. That's Evolution Healthcare Consulting. If you look up Susan Fink Childs, F-A-C-M-P-E, you will find me. And um, um, I think that's a great way is go through my website great well susan i can't tell you how much i've enjoyed this opportunity that we've had to chat uh today uh i look forward to uh i think you know you said you've got uh, three books maybe uh we'll have to uh catch up again sometime in the near future and uh review a little bit more detail about uh book number two and book number three so susan, thank you you know they are different they cover, cover totally different things yeah well, I, I, I look forward to, to the opportunity to chat with you again in, very soon. Thank you. Take care. Okay. Thanks, Susan.